When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, which players are we most likely to see in a Bucks uniform in 2019? Gerald McCoy, Quan Alexander, or Adam Humphreys? And what does a Bucks record need to be this year for it to be considered a success? For new coach Bruce Arians, anyone surprised by the Bucks not retaining defensive line coach Brenson Buckner? And are the Rays still in the mix for catcher JT Riamuto? We've got all that and more on this mailbag edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, if you're like me, you're probably sick and tired of paying these high electric bills, right? My electric bill was well over $300, and that's insane. If you want to save 90 to 95% off your electric bills, listen to me now. May Electric Solar. It's what you want to remember. They're a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available. They don't use high voltage like other companies. They also have a 25-year warranty on all equipment and labor, and May Electric Solar does not use subcontractors ever. Remember that. There's people trying to use May Electric Solar's name, but there's only one original. they got a full showroom, and you can see their products, and they're open weekdays. So stop the insanities of these uh, out-of-control electric bills. You need to start saving now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. And right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit for changing to solar energy through 2019. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Okay, so Steve, the Buccaneers, we've been watching Bruce Arians uh, pretty much reestablish his staff, a, a large part of it that he had with the Cardinals in Arizona and other places. Most of his coaches are guys that have either played or coached under him before. And the Buccaneers released a list of 18 assistant coaches, and that does not include what they've already, of course, announced with uh, Todd Bowles as their spe- as their defensive coordinator and Keith Armstrong, their special teams coach. And, of course, Harold uh, Goodwin is the uh, new assistant head coach and also the run game coordinator. But today, uh, and this has been talked about uh, really since the first press conference, Byron Leftwich named the offensive coordinator. Uh, he is, uh, I think he's all of like 39 years old, maybe 38, 39 years old. He, of course, was with Bruce Arians in Arizona, but not as the offensive coordinator. He's a quarterback's coach. Um, and then last year, he did become the OC there and did not call plays until after Mac- Mike McCoy was fired. But he did it like the last six or seven games or so. Um, Bruce Arians has said that Leftwich is going to call plays. And that's going to be interesting to see, you know, how much Arians is on the headset and what influence he has because, you know, this is a important year of course for everybody especially Jameis Winston um, but a lot of confidence in left which people Bucks fans probably remember him of course he was a first round pick by Jacksonville he played 10 years in the NFL with Pittsburgh and, and uh, some other teams um, but he was here in Tampa Bay in 2009 uh, it was Raheem Morris's first year they uh, pretty much gutted everybody they had at that point and they drafted Josh Freeman uh, that season out of Kansas State but they didn't want to play Josh right away and so they had Byron Leftwich and they had at that time, Luke McCown, which was Josh McCown's brother, of course, came much later. But um, it was a competition. You know, Freeman wasn't even part of that competition. It was just between Leftwich and McCown, and Leftwich won the job, although he didn't last very long. He started out 0-3, and, 
Um, played pretty poorly, I think, in a game at Buffalo, and they ended up going to McCown. And then eventually, about halfway through the season, they turned to Freeman, and that that was that. So he only played one year here. He went back to Pittsburgh. But he had been with Arians for some time. You have Leftwich coming over. He is 39 years old, by the way. You know, some other interesting names. I mean, we've heard about quarterbacks coach Clyde Christensen. He was here. I remember Clyde walking in the building with Tony Dungy back in 1996 when this place uh, was a bit of a train wreck, to say the least. And he was on the staff the entire time through 2001 with Tony. Uh, spent 14 seasons after that with the Colts. But when he was here in Tampa Bay, he you know was, was sort of mentoring guys like Sean King. Uh, eventually had Brad Johnson uh, and, and some of those guys. But uh, went on to the Colts. He was receivers coach there, then assistant head coach. And then for two years, uh, you know, he was their offensive coordinator, worked with Peyton Manning. They went to a Super Bowl one of those years, and then later he had Andrew Luck. So uh, a lot of pedigree and a second stint now with the Bucs uh, for a guy like Clyde Christensen. The other, the other coaches, they named them all, you know, and I'll, I'll go through a few of them real quickly. You have uh, guys like Chris Bonio, who is a, who is a kicker, who is a specialist coach. They also have a special teams coach, of course, we just mentioned. Larry Foote is going to coach outside linebackers, former player. Kevin Garver is going to be the wide receivers coach. Joe Gilbert comes over from Arizona. He's going to be the offensive line coach. We mentioned Cody Grimm, another player that they signed as a defensive assistant, a special teams assistant. Of course, we mentioned left, which Todd McNair is a running backs coach. Antoine randall is coming over as an offensive assistant. You have uh, Casey Rogers is going to be their defensive line coach, and this is the one I talked about, Brenton Buckner, uh, no longer on the staff, apparently. It's going to be Casey Rogers, who was the Jets' def- uh, defensive coordinator for quite a while and really, really good friends, of course, with uh, the Bucks' uh, new defensive coordinator as well. So that's, that's one of those uh, pretty big hires for them, important, important position for sure. Um, so yeah, and then there's a number of other guys, uh, you can read the list on tampabay.com, but, um, those are the main ones. And, and all these guys, you know, uh, almost to a man, Steve, they, they were, they were guys that were players. A lot of them converted because of Arians, got them as grad assistants or brought them onto his staff, that sort of thing. So this is a staff that knows how to work together, which I think is important. And I, I kind of like, I kind of like what they built as far as their position coaches go. They're going to have about... I mean, I think they've named 21 so far, but you're still going to have a, a couple more with, uh, I think, the strength, strength and conditioning uh, and, and maybe one or two others. So it'll Will be there be more coaches step. or players on the team this year? <laughs> well, I mean, it's a good point. There's, <laughs> there's going to be a, just about a coach for every two players. I mean, that's, that's what the breakdown ends up being, which you would think, you know, with that kind of attention, that's, that, that should help you with your development. But if you remember, they're going to split up practices too, so you'll need – a lot of coaches, and he's going to bring back. He's done this before too, and guys have gotten jobs this way, where he's brought back players, especially in OTAs and training camp, to help run some of those practices with the younger guys. Um, you know, in his theory, with with respect to practices, look, we can all practice on one field together, and then the young guys are going to get about six reps a day, and you're never going to know what you had, how he developed any of that, because he's just not on the field enough. Or we could split them up, and you know, sort of a young versus versus veteran sort of thing and you move them back and forth and then those guys get as many reps as the guys on the other field so uh, I think that's what Bruce is going to do but to conduct two practices you need a lot of coaches and so I think they'll bring back uh, he talked about bringing back former Buck players and, and just exposing guys you know to whether or not they want to coach I mean like Antoine Randall of course you know was a big you know Super Bowl 
champion for the Steelers through the touchdown pass to Heinz Ward that kind of sealed the Super Bowl up there against Seattle when they played in Detroit many, many years ago. But he was a guy that was not coaching uh, other than, I think, maybe basketball. He's an athletic director at a high school uh, in Virginia, somewhere in the D.C. area. So, you know, he, he's introducing some people with quality control jobs and offensive assistant and defense assistant to get them into the NFL. And a lot of these guys have gone on and become, you know, really important coaches. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if that occurs. I'm, I'm a little skittish about, like somebody asked me today, like, how are you with Leftwich calling in plays? I have no clue. But that surprises me. That's an enormous amount of confidence in, in a short period of time that Arians has in Byron Leftwich at age 39 to come in and, and, you know, not only help mentor Jameis Winston, which I think, you know, his experience will help, but to also then just, you know, hey, you're my play caller. I know Arians is going to be on the, play, on, on, on the headset and all that, um, but that's a big responsibility. So that's something to watch going forward. All right, so Steve, mailbag uh, time, always a fun time. And, of course, uh, lots of questions about the Bucks as you might expect, uh, with the new coaching change and everything going on. Let's uh, let's jump right into it. Well, we'll start with Joshua, who asked, any surprise that defensive line coach Brenton Buckner was not retained by Bruce Arians? And why would they move on from him? Well, it's it's a uh, – I guess you could say it's a little bit of a surprise. I mean, he was under contract, and he, uh, I think he still has time left. I, I guess what it comes down to, really – is just you know this is this is a relationship business and Todd Bowles who was the Jets head coach one of his best friends you know in football is Casey is Casey Rogers and he's a guy that was the Jets defensive coordinator that's how much that Bowles trusted him so I know that Rogers had other offers other opportunities to go elsewhere by all accounts he's a really good defensive line coach and I just think that it's it's about relationships that you know, Bowles knows that he's installing a new defense. Now, you know, it's true Buckner worked in Arizona, so, you know, I don't think he'd be completely in the dark. And I thought Buckner, you know, eventually did a pretty good job. I mean, they went from 22 sacks to, I don't know, 37, 38, somewhere in there, uh, which was a pretty big leap. Didn't start out very fast, but they eventually got there. Um, but, but you know, who knows? You got personality cl- clashes. You just got, you know – some duplication there with the with the defensive line and 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 I imagine too you know they're going to have multiple fronts with the 3-4 and the 4-3 sort of mixed in 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 doing various things so um you know I guess you know Rodgers is very good at teaching that and and evaluating and 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 it's you know there's really no good reason for it other than the, the defensive coordinator, in this case, Bowles, prefers Rodgers over Buckner. I would add one more thing and we've talked about throughout the year some on succession planning. When Mike Smith yeah. was let go, you had a former defensive coordinator on the staff. In, there you go. And uh, Mark Duffner. So mm-hmm. Todd Bowles has now a former defensive coordinator on his staff, as far as under him as defensive coordinator, where something happens to Bowles. Or after next season, if Todd Bowles gets a head coaching job, sure, you may sure. have your next your defensive coordinator right there in Casey Rogers, potentially. It's a great point. He's got more experience. He's got a little bit of a resume. And, you know, even if Bruce Arians were to leave in three years and say Bowles got this job, um, same thing applies. You got your defensive mm-hmm. coordinator that's that's done it for the Jets and, uh, and, and will have been with uh, – uh, you know, with Bulls for some time. So that that's that's a really good point. I again, who knows? You know, these decisions are never made in a vacuum. But it but it certainly makes sense that that Bulls would want to stick with his guy. All right, Les asked, how many wins does Bruce Arians need to get this year to consider the year a success? Seven, eight, or is it playoffs or bust? <laughs> 
Well, the playoffs are a funny thing. You know, Bruce Arians came in, I believe, um, the first year in Arizona and won 10 games. I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up. I don't know if they made the playoffs that year or not. But 10 wins, you know, everybody thinks that's a, that's a number. I remember Raheem Morris said it was a race to 10, and he was in his second year in 2010. And he was like, that's yeah, a race to 10, race to 10. Well, they got the 10, and it wasn't enough to get him in because of the fifth tiebreaker. So then he said, well, I should have said it's a race to 11. <laughs> Yeah, he but, won ten years, ten games his first year in Arizona. Did not make the playoffs. They finished third in the NFC West that year. Yeah, I mean there was a stacked NFC West with Seattle and some of these other teams. So what I would say about that is, does he have to make the playoffs? No, it should be sort of that should be the goal. Obviously, when you go eleven straight years without it. But if you told me he won ten games and and missed it because of a third tiebreaker with some team that that also won ten, I don't know. I don't know what else you can do except win eleven. So. Um, going from five wins to ten wins would be an enormous jump because remember they've been five and eleven two years in a row. But most years ten wins gets you at least you know at least a wild card gets you in the tournament. So I think if you if if you told them right now we're going to give you ten wins and then hope that's enough, I think they would take it. So you know again it is this is not a rebuild as he said this is a reload. They are they are looking for fast results here. I think you can't say uh, you know an eight and eight or nine and seven season is a good year. I mean they're looking they're looking to make a, a, a big jump, and to do that you're going to have to win at least ten games. But like I said, there could be circumstances beyond their control. Well, everything's in their control, but you could have tiebreakers and things that fall don't fall their way, and maybe they don't make it. So I don't want to give a number, but I would say that if I did, that number's probably going to have double digits. I mean they're going to expect him to do what he did with the Cardinals, which. Quite frankly, if you go back and watch, and look at the rosters, the Cardinals didn't have really the talent that the Bucks do right now when he took them over. And he managed to win 10 games in a really tough division. Now, because it was a tough division, he didn't make the playoffs. And the best way to make the playoffs is to win your division. So are we saying they're going to be better than Carolina? Maybe. Are they going to be better than Atlanta? I don't know. Speaking of Carolina, how about the news coming out of there that the owner would be okay sitting Cam Newton all year if it helped? Yeah, that was shocking. Yeah. We didn't talk about it yesterday, but wow. Yeah, that's that that is a wow. I you know, that guy that guy is not messing around. And I and I was to be honest with you, I was surprised Ron Rivera survived because he did not hire Ron and they had some issues on defense and had to fire their coordinator and, and there's gonna be change in the offseason and the coaching staff. Um but man, he says exactly what's on his mind and you know, look, I mean, Cam Newton has been battling shoulder problems for a long time and you know, if he wants to get him healthy and, and have him for the next few years, that's Certainly on the owner, but oh, uh, I, th- I think was... I think if his shoulder is that messed up, it's the right thing to do. I just don't think you say that publicly. I know. Well, again, <laughs> you know, a lot of these guys. It's funny. You can go one of two ways with that. A lot of these guys, when in business, they wouldn't tell you squad douche, and that's what the Glazers, the Glazer style was like when they ran businesses. Nobody knew what the hell they were doing. I mean, they bought Man U piece by piece the way Disney, Roy Disney, you know, bought Orlando. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> before, no, seriously, they use the same, the same, you know. Different companies with different names, but it turns out you wake up one day and you realize they're all. You put them all together, and it's like, oh, so they own all of this, huh? And then boom, they had the majority share in uh, in Man U. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's pretty fascinating though. All right, Buck North asks, if you were Bruce Arians, who would you consider to be the leader of the defense and the offense? It seems the Bucks have had a loose clubhouse, and the leaders need to do some reeling in, so to speak. Well, the leader of the offense better be Jameis Winston because if it's not, they wasted their time <laughs> because 
I mean, Bruce Arians was hired along with all those guys we just named, including Byron Leftwich and others, to to make Jameis the, the success that they thought he was going to be when they drafted him number one overall. So he's in his, you know, he's in his fifth year. They're going to pay him almost twenty million dollars. And I talked to Jameis the other day, and the one thing he said which resonated with me, and I I think this came straight from Bruce to be honest with you, and I think he was parroting this. He says, "I got to get back to just being being myself and being Jameis Winston." And I think a lot of, you know, obviously we know the, the suspension and, and having to start as the backup or not take first team reps in training camp and all those things. I think he lost some of his swagger and some of his and some of the not again. Now, you don't want him to play reckless and throw four interceptions a game. I'm not talking about that. I, I, I do think it was a disjointed season. I think he lost some confidence. And if, if there's one thing that Arians is going to bring him, it's going to be his swag back, and he needs it. I mean, he 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 lives off of it like oxygen, and that's that's some of you know some of that stuff goes over the over the top, and you end up with the goofy stuff like you know eating W's and all that. But Jameis thrives on on confidence and on swagger, and and now he's got a coach that's going to you know just reflect that. And, and I think I do. I think teams. In the NFL, as much as any league there is, now you could say basketball is, you know, basketball is a game of stars. It's, it's LeBron, you know, Kevin Durant, uh, Stephon Curry. I mean, you know, teams adapt uh, sort of the personality around their stars. But in football, I think football teams really reflect their coach as much as anything. And Bruce Arians has a lot of swag. And I don't know if these guys are going to win 10 games next year or not. I promise you they're going to have swag. <laughs> I promise you that even if they're not getting they're getting beat, they're going to like bring it, you know, because that's just the way BA is. And and ultimately I think that's what that's what Jameis. So Jameis should be the leader of the offense. The leader of the defense, I I don't have a great answer other than I would submit to you that last year it was it was really kind of the two defensive ends, right? I mean, it was Jason Pierre-Paul for sure with 12 and a half sacks, but also just the way he went about his job, playing hurt, um, not making excuses, being upset, beyond upset, uh, when they got you know their butts handed to him like they did in Chicago. He was the guy um, that was embarrassed, you know, beyond belief, where the others were kind of like, eh, you know, we laid an egg. Um, and then I think, I think Nassib, I think Carl Nassib is going to emerge more and more. Now, we don't know what Quan's situation is. He's working his way back from an ACL. Did the Bucks re-sign him at a discounted rate? Uh, Levante has always been a leader, but he's a quiet leader. You know, he's not a guy. And then and then there's Gerald. And quite frankly, I don't know if Gerald is back next season or not. I mean, we can talk about that in a minute. But so, yeah, right, right now, if you, you know, if, if you really ask me who that leader is going to be, I mean, it was a guy that led him last year, and that's Jason Pierre-Paul. All right, well, speaking of that, Alejandro asks, do you think Gerald restructures his contract to continue playing, even if they decide to switch to a 3-4 or at least play more 3-4? Yeah, the 3-4 thing, I know everyone's pretty focused on that, as and I am too because I'm not exactly sure how it works. But, I mean, basically, you know, it, you, some 3-4 teams do what they call two-gap where, you know, you're, you're sort of playing over the head of somebody and trying to control the left and right side of that player. Like if you're playing over the head of the center, say you're a nose tackle um, you have two gaps. You have you have both A gaps on either side of the center and the guard, right? And so your job is to not penetrate, but to hold up and protect those gaps. You know the the Bucks are going to run a a uh, they they could have some three man fronts, but they're also they're still going to be a one gap defense, and they're going to try to penetrate and get upfield. So 
regardless of what front they're in, there's a place for Gerald McCoy, and then the other guys will have to fill in around him, and whether that's you know Carl Nassib standing up, coming off the edge, whatever. Levante will be more of an inside linebacker in certain situations. And, you know, when teams go to three-ride receivers, you're a nickel anyway. So you're taking a linebacker off the field. But, you know, the defense, I don't – is Gerald McCoy is is that the question? Is Joe McCoy going to fit this? I think he. This is what I think, you think about he'll Joe take, McCoy. Do you think he'll restructure the contract? To stay I here? think I think that that they are setting this up so that he'll have to. I think that they have said a million times they've been given an opportunity to say Gerald McCoy our defensive tackle, and that Gerald McCoy. Oh, I, I'm not. You know, some coaches would say I wouldn't think about going on the field without Gerald McCoy. No one has said that. What they keep saying is everyone will be evaluated. You ask them, what about Gerald? Well, I think everyone's got to be evaluated. Well, we haven't really gotten it. Look, I think they're setting this up to say we need salary cap room. Your $13 million isn't guaranteed. Here's your options. We can give you a haircut, take a pay cut to whatever that number is. I don't know what it would be, $9, $10 million. I don't know, $8 million. I have no clue what that is. Um, but, but we're going to you know, give us some money back for our salary cap, whatever. You can stay here. And the decision's going to be – if, if that's the route they go. And they may just decide they want to move on from him. I don't really know. I, I, wouldn't, I don't imagine that being the case because, frankly, you don't have a lot of good players to begin with. Um, but if they think, you know, better to deal him too early than too late, you can always do that. And maybe, maybe you can get someone to take his $13 million. I doubt it. I think, I think teams will recognize you're going to release him if that's the case. But, you know, a lot of football players, and I've talked to Derek Brooks about this when, when he was released. You know, Derek could have gone somewhere – and played in, uh, I believe, Atlanta, for example. But, you know, at back then the money was not was was not what it is now. But the way he calcu- calculated it was, it's like, okay, so now I've got to go move to another city, and even if my family, you know, maybe I'm going to play one or two years, and even if my family stayed in school and stayed in the current house, i got to buy a new place where I can live. So I'm paying two mortgages now. And then Georgia has a state income tax maybe, and so – now I'm losing this much off of off the off the amount of money they're paying me to go there, and before you know it, you whittle it away until you're playing for just and, and look, don't sneeze at this, but you're playing for like a million bucks, okay, or or a million and a half or two million. For some players, for what they have to do to prepare for a season and the sacrifices they have to make and what they're going to put their bodies through at a, at an older age, some of them don't want to do it. Some of them are like, you know what, I'm not going to move my family, take them out of school, sell my house. I'm not doing it. Because wherever I go, I wasn't going to play that long anyway. I think I'll just hang them up. And that became the decision for Derek Brooks. It became a decision uh, for Booger McFarlane, who was, you know, had a chance to go back to Indianapolis, uh, but then got hurt, but then could have gone and played for the Raiders for a million dollars and decided not to. So, you know, these guys make their decisions. But I really think that uh, at minimum, if not outright release, which I would be stunned by a little bit, um, I think they're probably going to come at Gerald and say, look, you know, $13 million is a little rich for where you're at in your career. Let's renegotiate. Let's do something that makes sense for both of us. All right. Well, Ellis asks, of these three players, who will be most likely seeing a Bucks uniform next season? Gerald McCoy, Quan Alexander, or Adam Humphreys? This is such a great question. Was Ellis, is Ellis the one that did this one? Yes. Because he's a yes. big fan. Yeah, he's, he's a big, a big uh, fan He tweets us quite often, so. Good question. I'll, I'll give you. I'll tell you right now. I've seen the question. This is the best one of the night, and that's because you've stumped the band. Um, I will say this. I will, 
and I don't know anything, but I will eliminate Quan because Quan Quan's a difficult one. He's a free agent, but he's coming off an ACL injury. So you got two variables, like where is he going to be and when is he going to be there? And how, how will you know how he came back? Now, he's working really hard. I, saw, I think I saw a, a video of him um, doing leg weights two months out of surgery, which was impressive. And he'll work his butt off to get back. But I don't, you know, he's a free agent, and then it becomes what's his value? You know, had he not had his torn his ACL, would he be he would be worth, you know, six, seven, eight million dollars a year? But now, do you do a one year deal and make sure that thing is sound? And and you know, is he willing to do that? And if so, would he stay here? I mean, there's too there's too many variables there. We've talked about Gerald, which you know, I I think that that could come down to again, you know, whether or not he's too prideful to take a pay cut or doesn't want to wants to retire a buck or whether they even ask him and give him that opportunity. The guy I would say, and it's going to be tough, but the guy I would say that they may re-sign is Adam Humphreys. Look, they're talking a lot of noise about Deshaun Jackson coming back and all that, but his money's not guaranteed, and that's $10 million bucks. Adam's probably going to get somewhere around, I don't know, six, seven, eight million million a year um, to be a slot receiver someplace and probably in a fairly substantial number of years. And and I would think that you'd you'd want to if you're not sure about Jackson, who I think they're they're you know they're sort of giving us sort of lip service to uh, prepare to trade him if possible because they don't have to they don't have to pay him until the start of the regular season. I really think Humphreys is the guy because if you lose Deshaun, you've got Godwin, and you've got uh, Mike Evans, right? Uh, and then you've got uh, Justin Watson, who didn't play at all last year, who was a rookie. And then what? I mean, you know, without Deshaun, so you need that other receiver. Yeah, you got O.J. Howard and Cameron Bray, but you need that slot receiver. So I'm going to say that it's going to be Humphreys. I might be dead dead wrong about this one. I just don't know what, what they're going to do with McCoy, and I know that they want Humphreys if they can make that work. So uh, with Quan's ACL, with the rhetoric about Gerald, I'm going to say the guy they really want back is Adam Humphreys. All right, Aaron asks, what are your thoughts on the importance of balance on offense with the run-pass ratio? Jameis is at his best when he's had that balance at FSU and in his rookie year. We constantly heard from Cutter about establishing the run, but when Barber got rolling, he would pull him. I don't know that he would pull him when he got rolling. I think what happened is they fell behind in a lot of games, and um, you you can't run the ball if, if you're down two or three scores in the last quarter, so... Every team talks about balance. They all want balance. But, frankly, the rules have shifted to where they benefit the passing game. I mean, it used to be that you know, when you throw the ball, three things can happen and two of them are bad, right, interception or an incompletion. But now it's 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 kind of flipped. I mean, you, you can get pass interference. You can get uh, – it's much easier. Complete passes, guys are up around 70 75%. And, yeah, there's still the risk of an interception. But – the way teams are scoring, you almost are forced to do it. So it's a great question. I mean, they again, they want balance, but, I mean, are you going to tell me, you know, is Peyton Barber special? Is he a guy you can build your offense around? I would agree they need to take pressure off of Jameis. Well, I think, I think best, Jameis is at his best in the play action, which is if well, you don't have is. a running game, you can't do that. Then you can't do it. And you've got to get him away from, you've got to get him away from the center, which means you're going to have him in the shotgun – so what does that say? That's spread option. I think you're going to see a lot more RPOs. I think you're going to see a lot more of an offense that's more similar to what, say, Nick Foles is running at times. Now, they're going to have to take their shots down the field, and we know that Arians does not keep guys in. There's going to be five eligible out on every play. 
he doesn't keep guys in the block. So there's always going to be at least one or sometimes two more guys rushing the passer than you can block. So the premium is going to be on Jameis. But, you know, you, you get rewarded in this league by throwing the ball, by getting explosive plays. So I'm sure they'll look for balance, but you're going to have to have a special running back to do that, and you certainly need one that can catch the ball. Again, I, I think, yeah, you know, Jameis is better if he throws between 25 and no more than 30, 35 passes or so. You don't want him in the 40, 50 range. And to do that, you have to run it. So I, we'll see what they do with Ronald Jones. We'll see if they bring in another running back here. I think they'll look for balance. I really do. All right, John asks, if Bruce Arians wants an offensive line that doesn't need help on passing plays and wants to go deep, doesn't the current offensive line need at least two new starters to be able to do that and run block or maybe even a 60% turnover? I mean, I think they need two. I, well, now I'm going to say this, and then he's going to kill me, but I'm not looking to replace DeMar Dotson. I'm not, I don't know how they feel about it. Like, I think when DeMar Dotson's healthy, I think he's, he's a more than serviceable right tackle. He was not healthy last year, so he, he had some struggles that are not typical of him, and I'm not looking to replace him. But eventually, a guy that's already played 10 years, you're going to have to find uh, you know, a, a replacement for him. You know, I think they probably re-signed Donovan Smith. Ali Marpet's okay. Jensen's not going anywhere. But the right side of the offensive line, you have to start to rebuild. You need a right guard right now. You know, you can't even wait. you got to find somebody to plug and play right there uh, because, you know, Evan Smith's a free agent. Beninok, you don't want back in all probability. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, you know, you, you do have guys like Alex Kappa. Maybe he fits, maybe he fits the bill in his, in his second year. Mike Lidke maybe could move inside, but... You're going to have to have at least a right guard and probably in the, in, in the not-too-distant future a right guard and right tackle. So it's a premium spot, and they're picking fifth in the draft, and there are players that are going to be there. It's just a question of whether or not they make that their priority. All right, Stephen asks, what free agents do you think the Bucks will go after this year? Patrick Peterson? Le'Veon Bell? Anybody else? Uh, how about Tyrone Matthew? <laughs> How about the honey badger? That'd be a good one. They could steal him somehow. I don't know if I think he's a free agent. He might be under contract, but yeah, you need a corner. I mean, but here again, you know, they don't have any money, and that's why talking about keeping guys like Deshaun and re-recruiting them is so insane. Because you know, you've got right, right now fifteen, sixty million over the you know under the cap. You've got to pay Jameis an enormous bump. You've got to decide what you're doing with Donovan Smith, who's going to get between twelve and fourteen million. Even if you don't re-sign him, he's going to get that in the free agent market. If you franchise him, he's going to get that. There are a ton of uh, of guys up for you know increases and raises and things. Yeah, man, I I don't know. This salary cap thing is a real thing for them. Okay, well, a different Stephen asks: Do you think the Bucks signing Mark Ingram is a possibility? Yeah, it's a possibility. I mean, I. The problem is is that they need a guy that can catch the ball. I think Ingram, you know, and really Peyton Barber are too similar. You know, they're both inside runners. They, 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 they can give you a little something in the passing game, 
but they're more north and south guys. You need somebody like Alvin Kamara, you know, and they thought they were getting that in Ronald Jones, who just doesn't catch and uh, didn't do much blocking or running. So for that reason, I mean, he's an attractive running back, but I think you'd have to almost give up on Barber if you were going to do that, and I don't think they're ready to do to give up on Barber yet. So it, it seems like an odd fit, even though if he makes it to free agency, he'll get a lot of attention. All right, Gonzo asks, thoughts on Antonio Brown's response to Bruce Arians? And how does that compare to Deshaun doing the same thing at the end of last season? <laughs> well, if you if you missed it, I mean, Bruce Arians was, according to my sources, he was on the Adam Shifter podcast. And Adam Shifter asked him about Antonio Brown. And he used to coach him. What do you think of that nonsense? And then, uh, and, and then you know, B.A. was just like, well, I had Antonio. And, you know, we drafted him and somebody else that he didn't draft. He started talking about him. He goes, I, and, and he said something to the effect of, ah, it's just, you know, too much diva. Or something like that, and then Brown fired back, and was talking about, "Oh, really, diva, huh? Who's the guy with the kangaroo hats and, and the sunglasses and all that?" So he threw some shade back at him. I don't know what's up with Antonio Brown. I mean, I he's a talented guy, but you know he's not a young guy. I mean, he's in his thirties now. Um, there's talk about him going to the San Francisco 49ers. The problem with introducing a receiver here. And I think Deshaun struggled with this is that Mike Evans is the guy, you know, like everything your passing game is going to run through Mike Evans. And so really you're looking at a number two, right? And Brown isn't going to settle in anywhere as the number two guy. I mean, Brown is the alpha to everybody's Omega. I don't see that as a fit here. Well, also we talked about how much the bucks have spent on wide receivers. And even if you cut Deshaun Jackson at 10 million a year, Antonio Brown, 17 million. Yeah, I mean he's an outrageous amount. You of add numbers, that to Mike so, Evans. I mean, you're, you're and if you want to try to re-sign Adam Humphreys, right? And then are you going to tell Mike Evans, who is you know, no matter what you say, Mike Evans is your guy, right? He's the number one receiver on the Buccaneers. No one can take that away. Hell, he you know he set a club record, um, you know, for a single season, and he's had you know four straight thousand yard seasons. So Mike Evans is the guy. How are you going to tell him he's not? Who's going to go tell Mike we got another the dude that's making more money? You know, that's the thing. You're going to pay another man more money, and money talks in this league. So you're basically saying now we have a new number one. I, I just, you know, for the good of the franchise, I mean, I just don't see how you how you make that dynamic work um, between between those two players. So, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely don't think he's coming here. All right, we'll switch topics a little bit. And Mike asks mm-hmm. – how many games played will it take for the Lightning to have played to have as many losses in regulations as the Bucks did this season? <laughs> this is such an unbelievable question because it's an unbelievable uh, occurrence. I mean, the Bucks lost 11 games, and it took them six months to do it. 16 games. Six yeah, months, 16, 16 games. games total, but you play one a week, so okay. So 16 games, they had lost 11. The Lightning have played how many games right now? 47 games. They played 47 games, and they still don't have as many losses as the Bucks did. They have nine in regulation. They have, they have nine. I mean, they'd have to lose two more to get to 11, and quite frankly, I mean, the way they've been going, they could, they could, that could be another three, four weeks from now. I mean, it's incredible. But that, think about that record. This is hockey where you play like every other night practically, and, and they don't have as many losses as the Bucks do, and they're well past the halfway point of their season. So it's incredible. I mean, it's coming, right? I mean, they're going to lose two more games here before too long, I would guess. Well, sure. I mean, you know, they're on pace to lose 
What, if they got nine, they're on pace to probably lose 16, 17 for the season? Which is stupid, which is stupid when you think about it. Yeah. yeah. Pierre Lebrun had a tweet. Let me see if I can look it up real quick here. It says, update on the Lightning. They have 74 points in 47 games. They're now on pace for 129 points through an 82-game season. Good the, Lord. The most points in the salary cap era is 124 by Detroit in 2005-06. <laughs> They're on pace for five points ahead of that at this point. 129 is what you said? Yeah. Jeez. I mean, there's only a I possible mean, 164. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it's... You know, the, these numbers that they're rolling up are just mind-boggling, really. But Look, I think they're, they're going to hit a dip at some point in the season. You know, it's, it's just natural, and part of it's going to be they're bored. I right. mean, you know, their playoff spot's basically secured at this point. It would be a monumental collapse not to make it. I mean, you know, more yeah. than historic. So right. at some point, it's going to be the motivation of, okay, we're going on a, you know, Wednesday night to play Arizona or, you know, Ottawa and – you know, they're, you know, not a very good team. And it's just, you know, how do you keep that that up for six straight months when, you know, at the end of the day, how many points you get doesn't matter. It's about being ready for the playoffs. Come April are you the, 10th, 11th, 12th, whatever the playoffs start, being ready for that day. Yeah, and it helps if you're the top seed because you're going to have the home sure. home ice and all that. But I think they'll secure that early. I, I think the other thing that will happen, Steve, is that as they get closer towards the end, they're going to make sure all their bodies are healthy. So you're going to see you're going to see some guys taking some time off. You're you know, already seeing keep, that. Yeah. I mean, with the defensive rotation, particularly right. with with Coburn and Girardi, who are in, over 30 years old, and Strawman's even taken a few games off. He's right. over 30 as well and played a lot of hockey. You might start seeing mm-hmm. the forwards do that now that now that JT Miller and Ryan Callahan are back, and you've got a full sure. complement of forwards. You can start, you know, particularly Ryan Callahan, who you know we oh, know yeah. how important he is to this team particularly in playoff time, but even in the locker room and everything else. So the more rest you can get him down the stretch and make sure he's healthy for the playoffs is key for this team. And you're going to be able to do that with the, the roster and the depth that they have and the lead that totally, they have in the, the conference. Totally agree. I mean, and that's, that's going to, I mean, they're going to have to prepare now in, in essence. I mean, I know you got more games to play, but you're only looking towards one thing. You know, this, this hockey team, will not be defined by whether they win the President's Cup or sets the NHL record for points or any of that. It's going to be the second season, so they've got to get themselves ready. Look, Nikita Kucherov, I saw a quote the other, or yesterday or today, you know, asked about, you know, he's got 75 points in 46, 47 games, whatever it was, and asked him about, you know, winning the, the scoring trophy and all that, and he says, I'm, lo- I'm looking for the big silver trophy at the end of the year. <laughs> it's true. You know, the scoring trophies, I, I think he wants to win it, but, They're nice, but but the yeah, Stanley no. Cup's what he wants. He he would they gladly he would gladly not take the scoring ch- championship and win the Stanley Cup. You cannot be part of this hockey team with sitting here with nine losses and not thinking this is our year. You cannot. There's no way you're not thinking that. There's no way you're not thinking. You know what? We're not good. We're really good. You know. And if we we can't screw this up like this <laughs> this I mean well, whatever does, it, does it takes, that add some pressure come April though too. Well, of course it adds pressure. Are you kidding me? You don't think that first series or that first game of the of the postseason isn't going to be a nail biter for these guys? I mean, I don't care who they play; they'll play somebody worthy, mm-hmm. and and that team will be playing with house money. It's absolutely going to be nerve nerve wracking, but I think they'll get past it. I think they'll, you know, settle in. I mean, these are experienced. I mean, this is the other thing is like this is not this core has been together for a while. A lot of these guys played in the Stanley Cup final; they know the way there. So they've they've dealt with pressure, they've dealt with eliminations, they've dealt with a lot of these things. 
And but they, dealt, they as, dealt with not making the playoffs two years ago, too. And and that's right. They dealt with being on the outside looking in. And I, I'd much rather, like, if you're going to have pressure, you'd much rather have pressure like this than the pressure to get the final spot in the postseason on the last week. I mean, this is the kind of pressure you want is expectations. You put yourself in this position, which is tremendous. Um, so now you just got to finish the job. But, um, yeah, there'll be, a, there'll, be a, there'll be some ner- – I think the fans will be nervous for sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The players play. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you don't know what they're feeling, right? I mean, but they feel like they got some control, but everybody else. Well, that's why in hockey they always say, you know, most players would rather start a series on the road. Absolutely. And and not that you don't want home ice because you want game seven at home. But you would rather start game one on the road because there's less pressure. Absolutely. There's so much expectation when you have the home ice that, you know, that first game comes and you're going to win. Bar nothing, and if you lose, it's 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 such a letdown, and now you're you know now you're you're starting to lose home ice and all that stuff. The other team loses, you know. It's like okay, well we were supposed to lose. We just got to hold serve. Well, think back to last um, year's playoffs, Boston in the second round. You lost game one on home ice. That's right. And even though you 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 for the most part outplayed them that game, although that was the closest game of the series as far as play, I thought carrying play, but. The fans were nervous. It was like you lost game one, and it was like, oh, no, here we go again. Oh, here it's we Boston, go. And it's, it's this. It's yeah. you know, lost on home ice. And then they turn around and won the next four. Right. But can you imagine with the kind of record they're going to put up there this year if uh, if they get down in a series early on? I mean, it's going to be really something. So I I, I think it's a special year, and I, I think they'll know how to turn it on. And, 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 look, talent wins, man. I mean, talent just, you know, that that's how you win. As you've always said, it's not the X's and O's; it's the Jimmy's no, and the Joes. No, it's not. No, it's not. And I think you got one. You got a couple really driven players in Kucherov and Stamkos. I mean, and, and you know, obviously they got Point and other guys too. But like, if you're Steven Stamkos, you played your entire career. Your jersey's going up in that building, just like Marty's and just like Benny's. You're you're missing something they already got. Well, look, I mean, you've Stamkos got to, is you've probably got to get your yeah, name. Stamkos is probably the best player in the NHL to never have won a cup. Right now, that's, that's played for a long period. I mean, Connor McDavid's probably the best player in hockey. But yeah, he's not played long enough to be. You know, the Alex he, Ovechkin after, of last year, who now won his go. cup. Stamkos yep. has pretty much taken that mantle. I think. I mean, there, there's another player too, and you could probably put in that mix, but Stamkos is right up there. He is, and and I think that, and I, he, they're not the same guy. But like, he got an up close look. I mean, think about you know we're talking about you know president trophies and and, and high expectations. How many times did the Washington uh, you know Caps have the best hockey team uh, during the regular season and then get eviscerated in the first round or something? I mean, they lived that nightmare, you know, over and over and over again until Ovechkin just decided it's not happening this year, boys. Get on my back. Get on my back. I'm going to carry us there. And I, and Stamkos saw that. You know, Stamkos saw a, a superstar take it up another level. You know what I mean? And just say, uh-uh, not today, not here. I'm going to will us to win if I have to. And and I, I think that's probably a lesson for him. I don't know if he can take over games like Ovechkin did, but I'm sure his focus is just as sharp and just as singular. And by the way, the Caps got off to a slow start this season. They're the second-best team in the Eastern Conference now. Oh, they're smoking hot, yeah. They've passed Toronto and, and Boston. And, and Ovechkin's having a stupid year, like usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's leading the league in goals. There's no easy out there, by the way. I mean, they, would it surprise you if they won a couple in a row here? Wouldn't surprise me. No, they could. All they lost was their coach, right? <laughs> so, yeah, they lost a couple players, but not, you know, obviously Ovechkin's still there, Backstrom, Holtby's sure. still in goal. 
Yeah. And, and the coach no, was on gonna... the coaching staff last year. I mean, they promoted up, so it's not like they brought and in they're... a new system, new coaches. Right, and they're in the East, which means you're going to have to go through them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, unless that would be an Eastern Conference final for matchup at this point. Yeah, unless somebody does them for you. That's yep. your other hope, you know. Well, Pittsburgh usually does with Washington. They just didn't last year. True. Very true. All right, Jeff, Jeffrey asked, says, I'm enjoying regular season hockey a lot more now than in the past. Seems like fighting is way down compared to three or four, five years ago. I never liked all the fighting in the regular season, and this could be why. Of course, I understand playoff hockey is a different ball game. Do you think this is true, and any overall thoughts on this? On the lack of fighting? And his enjoyment of the regular season hockey more than in the past. Well, he's enjoying it. I mean, I assume he's a Lightning fan, so there's not he much is. not to enjoy. Um, you know, I, th- and, and I think some most, of it is the skill of the Lightning. I mean, yeah, you know, they're, they're so, in every game. They're even if they're down, you have confidence they're going to come back and win. I right. Mean, you know, this is right. this is fun hockey. You know, it, it, it's it's fun hockey, but there's not a lot of drama to it. No, but it's there's I mean, a lot of speed. But the amount of skill on the ice and the plays they make are just phenomenal. Yeah, and I, you know, I mean to get to get into fights and things like that, I mean. Yeah, you can get other under people's skin. That's really not their mo, though. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think certain teams try to do that to get under people's skins, or they don't have the skill, and so they, you know, they they try to get the penalty minutes racked up against them and uh, against the other team and instigate them and things. I don't, I don't think the Lightning has to do that. Now they're very capable of defending themselves. I know that. I mean, they they got guys that can drop the gloves with anyone, but they don't go into it looking to do that. So. Yeah, I mean, I well, look, hockey's like any other sport. I mean, football's trying to make the game safer, sure. trying to protect, particularly star players and the quarterback, the superstars. Yep, you know, because you know, who wants to go pay for tickets to a game and not see the best players play? Right. You know, hockey, just like any other sport, wants more skill, more scoring, faster pace. You know, we always talk about baseball, the pace of play. Well, hockey, if you have less fighting and less stoppages like that and less physical stuff, well, there's, there's the pace better. of play is better. Nothing which just better, makes yeah. it more enjoyable to watch overall. Absolutely. Uh, but it's also, you know, protecting your star players, too. They're taking away the slashing of the wrist. You know, now if you even touch the wrist with a stick. That's big. That's you know, big. They're taking that away because players have gotten hurt and missed some significant time with this a broken time. thumb or things like That's that. That's right. That's so, right. You know, and then specifically on that one, the players asked for that rule to be put in, even though they complained mm-hmm. about it when they get called for it. But the players union is the one that asked to protect that because they don't want their players hurt. Right. No, you got to you got to protect the superstars. So I mean, you know, I, yeah, fighting. I, I, th- it is leaving the. I mean, they're trying to take it out of the game. They're trying to take the head out of the game, and that's what causes a lot of fights. And um, I like where hockey is right now. I enjoy watching games. I, I think I think the the style of play and the. Lack I just of wish they minutes. didn't they would they didn't swallow the whistle so much in the playoffs. Well, we've talked about that, yeah. and I and I think it hurts a team like the Lightning that are skilled who definitely benefit from teams trying to hold them up and you know hook them and and all these other things you start letting things go Mm -hmm. you're punishing the more skilled team which isn't fair because that's that's how they got there well i also think it hurts the sport when you have less scoring at a time when more people are watching your sport how are you going to grow the sport exactly right we know people want to see scoring yep and you're just hampering it i agree you're you're exactly right about that all right, we got a question. Are the Rays still in the mix for JT Real Muto? Switching gears, by the way. I mean, I, I read this. I mean, I really should defer to you or Mark Tompkin because I'm not even sure who they're in the mix for anymore. Uh, I don't think they're done. Let's put it to you that way. I mean, obviously, they, 
They made a trade for Zanino, who's a really, really good catcher defensively, and he could hit you 20 home runs a year and bat 200. So I don't know where Real Muto fits. I mean, I don't know what – you know, it's funny. Catching is is such a high premium in, in the major leagues, and if they did that deal, they'd end up with two of the premier catchers in baseball. So Well, and he has uh, played a little bit of first base last yeah, year that's from, true. from Miami that's true. and that. You know, the Rays – the race theory is pretty much let's find really talented, the most talented players we can find afford that we have under control for a little bit. And we'll figure yep. it out from there. We'll figure it out. Yep. You know, they're not so, afraid to make moves or, you know, acquire a guy and, and he's shipped out even before he plays a game because you acquired somebody else. I mean, it's, they, they look at the opportunity and, and if real Muto is a really good player, which he is, and you have the opportunity to get him at a price you're willing to, to live with, then they mm-hmm. absolutely will try. I, I think they're in the mix for him. You know, the question is, is are the Rays offering a better deal than anybody else? Let me ask you this. Like, what's going on with baseball that Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are still unsigned and may stay that way? Well, and this started a couple of years ago. If you remember last year, there was like 130 players at the IMG yes, Academy. Yes, I do. Unsigned. Yes, I do. And, and a lot of that last year was the luxury tax. And, right. And part of the collective bargaining agreement, and I don't know the 100% of the specifics, but in general... If you went over the luxury tax three years in a row, you were taxed at 50% on the dollar over that. Mm. If you haven't done it three years in a row, you're taxed at 20% of every dollar that you right. go over the luxury tax limit. So last year, teams were diving under that luxury tax. Nobody was going to go the over Dodgers, it. The Dodgers, the Yankees, Red Sox, they were diving under the, the luxury tax because it was the third straight year, and they would have been taxed yep. at 50% compared to 20%. The numbers may yep. not be exact right, but it's something along those lines. So last year was part of it, but... The late signing of everything, too, is nobody's in a rush anymore. I mean, you know, why sign somebody in, in January or, you know, November when you don't need them till March? Even well, if you miss fine. a little bit of spring training. Spring training is so long anyway. That's fine if everybody else is playing right. off the singing off the same sheet of music, as Joe Madden would say. But what if what if you have a team that you got to compete against that's like, well, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to sign them now because I really, really right. want them. Well, but, but you know, when you're looking for that, you know, $30, $40 million a year, the thing is, is baseball GMs and owners the, have gotten smart. You're not yeah. going to see those 10-year deals when you're 28 years old anymore. No. Because the last half that deal, you're way overpaying and you're hurting your team. Yep. Is well, that, there was talk – you know that Bryce Harper was going to look for three hundred million dollars. They were right? talking about four hundred million over ten to twelve, maybe years. upwards of four. Yeah. And I think, I think I read, and I could don't don't quote me. <laughs> look here, I am on a podcast. Don't quote me. Um, but I think I read where like the Chicago White Sox offered him like seven years or five, six or seven years. Yeah. And the number was below two hundred million. Right. It was like one seventy five, one eighty. So that's that's fallen way short yeah. of the green. Of where they thought those salaries, Look, all would those be. big contracts, no one ever lives up to it. By the no, end, by the end not. of them, they never live up to the money that that was spent on them. Right, and so you know the, the teams have gotten smarter, and they're developing their farm systems better, and they're using analytics and and all that stuff, and and so it's not worth it to sign a guy who wants a ten year contract for that much money. It's not worth no, it. It's no not. matter how much you want them on your team this year and next year, and could afford that price for this year and next year, it's not worth it five six years from now. And they're just not right. – look at all the others. They're not going to do it anymore. You know, hockey no. has a max of a seven-year contract, eight if you actually resign with the same team. And that's even long. But, you know, these baseball the, – you know, the 10-year, $250 million contract that A-Rod signed, you know, eons ago. 
the yep. Alvarez Pujols deal. I mean, you know, Pujols ain't worth that money anymore. No, they really are, but you still got Scott Boros out there running baseball, so. Well, and I just think that, you know, that's great. He can run his mouth and talk about it. Bryce is worth this and that, but until someone's willing to pay it, he's not. That's right, and they're all holding, they're all holding, you know, holding to their guns because no one has paid them, so. Yeah, and, and you know, and base, the base, I have a problem with the Major League Baseball Players Association, too, and, and negotiations over the last few years, but, you know, baseball players take such a small percentage of the revenue in baseball compared to all the other sports because of the way the collective bargaining agreement is. Yeah. Baseball players have protected the guys getting $300 million contracts instead of saying, hey, let's get more money for everybody. And now they're paying for it because everybody's as a, as a whole, they're taking a lot less. And now those $300 million contracts aren't coming anymore. Miguel Cabrera yeah, is not right. worth it at the end of his contract. I mean, you know, you go through the big players who have signed huge contracts in baseball. They're just not worth it by the end of it. They may be worth it at the yeah. beginning. And would a team pay Bryce $30, 40000000 million this year? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. For a couple of years. Are they going to pay it for 10? No. Eight? No. Yeah. Yeah. In football, the, the, the league, the owners and the players are true partners. Um, and in baseball, that's just simply not the case. Well, I, the, the, you know, football, is, 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 it's weird because the contracts aren't guaranteed. I mean, it's great that someone signs, well, a, some, you know, they'll sign a $125 million dollar contract for this and only 50 of it's guaranteed. Now, they well, end up usually I mean, getting more than that. But, I mean, those contracts are, you know, Gerald McCoy, he's got $13 million this year. He's not going to make that this year. But you, you guarantee what you can guarantee. Sure. In other words, right. you know, like, like, okay, Deshaun Jackson signed a three-year $33.5 million contract. Well, it wasn't all $33.5 no. million guaranteed. But he's still going to walk out of here with twenty three five. Sure, but the, but so so I mean they're guaranteeing larger portions of those contracts, and then the other. And of course, the reason why you can't do it. I mean, how many guys would you be paying in a sport that that has as many injuries as football? Mm-hmm. Well, know, I'm not. I mean, I'm not saying bank, it's wrong. I'm saying that that it, it's kind of a farce when they, we signed a hundred and fifty million dollar contract for this NFL player. Well. 60 of it's guaranteed. Yeah. Maybe you walk away with he 80 may, by the he end. May, he You're not walking away with 150. No. no. No, of course not. You know, it's a, hey, you know, you were in radio, those contracts. You signed a 2-3 year <laughs> deal, but really it was a 9 yeah. month, it was a it was a 3 month contract, 90 day contract. It was a 3 it was what they guaranteed me after they yeah. fired me. That's right. Yeah. It was a 3 month deal. Every day it was I you felt know, they good could about, pay you for 3 months and be done. Yeah. I felt good about the 3 years until <laughs> until they gave me 3 months instead. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate it. That's great. I want to end things on a, on a positive note. Absolutely. Now, actually, we have one so, more question from Matt uh, about the Rays. He says, with the Ebor deal gone, where do you think is the ideal location for the Rays to build a ballpark? My backyard. My backyard over here at Lutz. Uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a long commute for me. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's where we all want it. <laughs> I'll tell you where I think they're going to build it. St. Petersburg. Outlying Stadium. Absolutely. I think for all the crying and the belly aching, either all Alang Stadium or right where they're at now <laughs> um, in the parking lot. But uh, for all the belly aching and crying, I think the best deal they're going to get is right there. And, and if they could get a waterfront ballpark somehow squeezed in where Alang is, you know, they've well, they've taken over the Rowdies now. And I assume they have control of at least the stadium. There'll, there'll be a lot of things they would have to do. But I mean, talk about, a, a you know, I know they were happy about Ebor and they were talking about the history of Tampa and, you know, uh, the Cuban population and baseball, you know, big and big. But to have to have another ballpark similar to Pac Bell where you're on the water, you're actually on that beautiful waterfront out there. 
And, and again, there's all kinds of logistical nightmares with parking and all kinds of stuff. But I just, I, there's something in me that says their best shot is gonna not going to beat Hillsborough. They're not going to get it there. They're going to get it back in St. Petersburg. Hillsborough's the ideal spot financially. And population-wise. Uh, population and financially and as far as ticket corporate sales. Corporate support. And, and corporate that, yeah. and, and group sales and suites and, and the type of businesses that are going to buy those are either in the West Shore District or downtown. Absolutely. That's where those businesses are. That's the ideal spot for that part. If you no want question. the most beautiful, scenic, best park for the, the the metropolis and to showcase, it's outlying stadium right there on the waterfront. Absolutely. You can pull that off. Absolutely. So I'm a, I don't know. Look, it, they, they could be the, the next stadium could be in Las Vegas. I have no clue. But I, I, it, I tend to think that they're back now in, in, in the game with St. Petersburg. So we have, they have to exhaust that now. We'll see. Some great questions today on the mailbag. Appreciate all those. Uh, you can always reach us at SportsDayTB. Uh, you can reach me at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Uh, we got lots coming up, of course, tomorrow. We'll uh, break down the uh, conference champions chips for the NFL. We got the AFC, of course, a big battle between Kansas City and New England. And then the NFC is the Rams at New Orleans. So we'll talk about uh, all those games as well as anything else that might pop up on the Bucks coaching front over the weekend, we'll have a chance to talk to Byron Leftwich. So we'll probably hear uh, from him in that interview uh, sometime, I would think, on Monday. So you never know what's going to happen, but we're glad you joined us. And remember, folks, if you are uh, tired of paying these high electric bills, I'm not kidding you. You got a choice of solar companies. Go to my friends at May Electric Solar. They're a locally owned company. They're going to save you 90 to 95 percent off your electric bill. They don't use contractors. You want to go with these folks. May Electric Solar. And um, you can get a tax credit of 30% off if you change the solar by or through 2019. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. And, Rick, did you know we started a trend? What's that? The Tampa Bay Times has more podcasts than just us. Did That's you know true. that? Yeah, they have a new Blood I and Truth that. podcast that you can subscribe to on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Uh, in 1976, a jury convicted Tommy Ziegler of four murders. For more than two decades, Ziegler's been trying to convince the state of Florida to allow full DNA testing of the evidence in his case. He says it would help exonerate him, but the state has refused again and again. You can hear all about this on the Tampa Bay Times' new Blood and Truth podcast. Just do a search for Blood and Truth on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's a fascinating series. Great work by our reporters. You want to make sure you check that out. You will love it. It's, it's a fantastic podcast. So uh, do that for us, please, and uh, happy to uh, to have have those guys uh, uh, in our paper and, and uh, doing a podcast because there's going to be more podcasts. There's plenty of them uh, that you can check out on TampaBay.com as well. So, again, for Steve Verstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Hope you guys have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.